another decent weekend of Italian football, I think it's fair to say. And I'm here, Connor Clancy. I'm back to host this podcast with Kev Pugzelski, my friend. Kev, I'm still not quite over you being so far away. How are you? I'm 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 good. You said uh, decent weekend of football. I uh I, I would I would say that last weekend's was better, even though yeah, we didn't was. get to do our our usual pod and stuff. Um, it's been a bit um, lackluster, uh, to yeah. say the least. Do you, do you know what's happened? I've I've got a little bit carried away because I, I've just watched Napoli finish, and earlier today I was at the Tardini for a women's match, and the women's Serie I went a bit wild this weekend. So I am I'm on a high from that. So maybe I can carry that momentum into the, this podcast, even though. Most of what we're going to discuss wasn't actually all that fun, but to help us talk through it, we've got Vito Doria along with us. Vito, how are you? Yeah, I'm good. Um, glad to be back on, but also yeah, missed out on uh, seeing you guys. You know, looking on social media, looked like you had a fun time together. So um, don't let that, don't let don't let that fool you, Vito. It was all trains, trains and football. That's all it was. It was trains. Okay, it, it was train, trains and football. No fun. Just trains and football. Ah, yeah. oh, fair enough. Yeah, we didn't we didn't fall out though, Kev. We well, we, no, we didn't fall out, but it was it was largely trains and football. <laughs> trains, football, and Borghetti, I think, mm. would would nicely sum up what we what we went about for those four days. I'll tell you what, the Borghetti got me through that last day, that monster game. I would not have survived without it. I would have been in big big trouble, but. We need to stop looking back, Kev, because we'll only get disappointed if we keep looking back at how good of a weekend we had together. <laughs> I'll, get, I'll get disappointed looking forward because I know where you're going to take us in Friday night's game. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, trying to, I'm trying not to get into that for as long as I possibly can, but we've got to, don't we? Because match day 22 of this Serie A season has been mostly played out. I say mostly, there are still two Monday night games still to be played. Verona, Salernitana and Sam Pinter have not yet been played at the time of recording, but there have been plenty of games played. Some good, some less good. Milan beat Torino in one of the less good games, 1-0 on Friday evening. Saturday had three games. Empoli, Spezia finished 2-2. Lecce, Roma finished 1-1. And Atalanta beat Lazio 2-0 at the Stadio Olimpico, so I'm very, very pleased with that. Udinese Sassuolo finished 2-2. Monza won 1-0 at Bologna. Juventus beat Fiorentina 1-0. And Napoli beat Cremonese 3-0. So there's plenty to talk about. I'm immediately drawn to to Rome, obviously to, to Naples, of course. But should we start with Milan? No, let's not. Let's start with the league leaders, Napoli. Kev. They won 3-0 against Cremonese. And although it's temporary, if we look at the Serie A table now... Monday morning, it shows a 16-point gap between Napoli and second place. It's it's not gonna go wrong, is it? It's just not. <laughs> no, they are they are absolutely on the procession to Scudetto heaven, and um, yeah, fair play to them. You know, they've been brilliant this season. Um, whatever we're in to do on Monday night is is not going to stop them. Um, Cremonese obviously was, you know, I don't think we expected anything, anything less than a, a free, comfortable no. three points for Napoli, you know, and it was also in Naples. Um, but yeah, they they look unstoppable, and actually, for for, you know, don't get me wrong, I still hate the fact they don't wear their home shirt, but um, they've actually worn this Valentine's uh, shirt yeah. as close to Valentine's as you can get. Um, but yeah, they just they just look unstoppable. I think it, today was. Um, 
uh, Kravitz Shelia's 22nd birthday. birthday. Uh, obviously, he gets the goal in the 21st minute. I think that's what threw me off with the old 22nd, 21st. Yeah. Uh, and then, and then Victor Osman just—he's um, probably the informed striker in Europe. That was a debate that was being had on the BT Sport commentary, I believe, between Adam Soberton and I can't remember who was on with him. But he is, isn't he? Like, I don't think there's any arguing at the moment. But obviously, the likes of Erling Haaland is incredible. Robert Lewandowski's been in fine form at Barcelona as well. But in terms of all-round game. I think you'd be hard pressed to make an argument for anybody other than than Ossiman. Yeah, the, the comparisons there with Haaland because they're of they're of similar age. They're certainly, you know, they're they're at the start of their careers. So you know, the Lewandowski's are kind of just ignore that for a moment because they've got they've got years and years of experience. Um, and and there have been issues around Haaland trying to integrate into the uh, the Manchester City side. Whereas, I think you take Victor Osman out of this team, you you plant him down another and. He will adapt his game. You know, he has got far more, well, on the surface, it looks like he's got far more skills and ability to sort of, you know, merge into a side. There have been issues with him adapting and he still scored more than 30 goals this season and it's the beginning of February. Uh, I take your point. Mm. I take your point, but... Come on, let, let's not get too carried away. And, and Ossiman did have his struggles in his first season in Naples as well. But Vito, Napoli, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to say that the 3-0 scoreline flattered them against Cremonese, but I, I think the Cremonese put up more of a fight than I think 3-0 would suggest. But in the end, Napoli's brilliance just showed as it has shown so many times this season. I strongly agree with that because... Napoli did have a bit of trouble trying to find space against Cremonese. Uh, the Grigio Rossi were defending in numbers, and they looked promising on the counterattack. Unfortunately, they didn't have a attacking duo with enough experience or quality to put Alex Merritt under any serious pressure. As the game progressed, uh, it showed that Napoli's stars like Gavica Cavaratskelia and uh, Ozyman, you know, they made the difference by adding to the score sheet. And then Elif Almas has shown what a trusty substitute he is by scoring the third. And uh, Di Lorenzo, who supplied the assist for Almas, I think he's, uh, you know, one of those unsung heroes in this Partenopay side. He's uh, the captain. He's, he's a consistent player. And I think in his early seasons, he probably had a few errors in him. But it seems that now he rarely misses a beat. He's someone that's quite reliable. There is there is this newfound depth at Napoli, isn't there? But I was thinking it during the game. Like Elmas came on and scored, and then the forgotten man who we spoke about, I think, on the preview pod, Diego Demme, came on as well. But then there are other players there who are on the bench, and under previous coaches, you might not have really considered them to be serious backup options. But there's just something about Spalletti this season, Vito, and and what he's done with this Napoli team that. Even those like previously average mid-table Serie A players have a part to play at a team that are going to go on and win the title. There are players where before Spalletti's arrival, they looked like average players or you just wondered why on earth Napoli bought them in the first place. But uh, he has his regular 11 and those who come off the bench, they still know 
when to play their part. They're not guaranteed to start matches or to feature in every competition, but they will, you know, make the contribution. You know, I look at someone like I mentioned Elmas. He he came off the bench and he's a versatile player. Lozano, he he didn't score, but I noticed in one instance he was running back and he made this last ditch tackle that was very impressive. And it you know, it's one of those things about modern wingers that it's not about putting that tricky wing play crosses or chipping in with goals. You've actually got to help back in those moments. So those little bits and pieces help. And then someone like Mario Rui, I thought, you know, he was just one of Sarri's boys from Empoli. Then he went to Roma, then came to Napoli. But he's very reliable in that left flank under Spalletti. And then another one is Lobotka. For the life of me, I don't recall him making one pass right under Ancelotti. But under Spalletti, <laughs> totally transformed. Very effective, cool under pressure, knows how to win the ball back, and he can distribute the ball quite well. So it's amazing what Spalletti has done. And let's say Napoli do go on to win this title. I think he really deserves it. And I think it's been a long time coming for him. I'd agree. I think his work with Mario Rui alone, Kev, is worthy of a title because before Spalletti rocked up at the the Maradona, I was a firm believer that Mario Rui was one of the worst top half Serie A players that I'd ever seen. And now he's just like Mr. Consistent. He's always delivering that standard level of performance for Napoli this season that you need. You need players like this season's version of Mario Rui if you're going to win a title. And I just think his transformation is remarkable. Yeah, absolutely. I was, um, I was a bit, if this is the right phrase, I was a big non-fan of Mario Rui. I, I yeah, thought, we were we were haters, Kev. Yeah, I think. I think hater, yeah. I, I thought he was absolutely terrible. Um, subpar for a Serie A footballer, subpar for a elite level footballer. Um, but it, 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 I suppose it does the team a disservice to say he's playing above his level. He's kind of found his role within this team. And you know, maybe, because often you start you start hating on players because they do things that are maybe outside their comfort zone, they're doing too much, they make obvious mistakes. And maybe he's just found a sort of position where he knows what he needs to do, not go over that line, you know, unless <laughs> you know, unless he really, really has to. Um, it was last week, I'm trying to think who they were playing last week, maybe a week before, but he did, um, it might have been, it might have been Napoli actually, where he um, sort of switched the ball for the Osman equaliser. I actually might have flipped it in for the Osman um, uh, first goal. But, yeah, he's 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 won me over slightly, but um, I'm convinced he's going to go back to his level next season when they're no longer uh, sort of chasing <laughs> the title. You, you used a, a, a couple of words in there saying over that line, which made me laugh, because tonight he, he did... One of the oddest things I've seen a footballer do, and I'm going to stop st- short of saying on the pitch because it actually wasn't on the pitch, but him and Charles Pickle, yeah, damn right I'm only bringing this up to say his name, mm-hmm. him and Charles Pickle were battling for the ball as it went over the line. And then it was about, this isn't an exaggeration, about four yards over the line, and Charles Pickle goes to kick it to the goalkeeper, whoever whoever's end it was at to take the goal kick and 
the ball is gone, right? It, it it's dead. The game the game has stopped, and Mario Rui goes to block it. <laughs> the ball's so far gone, and then he ends up catching Pickle like on his upper shin. And I thought you could get a booking for that, or maybe even a red if that happened on the pitch. You've gotten away with one there, Mario. And I just thought it was absolutely brain dead. We can all get carried away. You know, you thought that um, <laughs> last, 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 last week at Criminenzo Lecce, you thought that blood pulled, somebody handballed the ball, but it had actually gone out of play because you couldn't see the... Um, the, the Is it a byline still along the side of the pitch? The sideline. Mm. I was not alone in that because our seats were very oddly placed where we couldn't see the sideline. And we thought the pitch was a, a lot wider than it was because... A couple of other people also reacted, Kev, so it wasn't just me. I found your reaction but, funny, so um, I'm living on you? it. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. Um, Kev, if I were to ask you where is Pierluigi Gallini, would you be able to tell me? What, Pierluigi Gallini or Collini? Gallini, oh, the, the ex-Atalanta goalkeeper who was with Fiorentina oh. for the first half of this season. Well, you're now going to tell me who's Cremonense, eh? Cremonese, Cremonese. <laughs> the other one. Uh, he's at Lecce. No, he was on the bench. He, he's with Napoli. Oh, he's with Napoli. Wow. When, did, when did that happen? Oh, it's beyond me. I don't, I don't recall that happening. He's going to rock up and get a Serie A oh. winner's medal, which feels... I don't like that. That does depend on the Serie A rules around getting a medal because I know in the Premier League it's eight games. No, it's five games actually. I, dropped I don't think it is that any... I thought they just gave clubs medals now and the clubs dished them out as they please. In the UK, it's five It's five appearances, but the, the, the winning club can purchase, ah. can purchase additional medals if they see fit. There you go. Thanks, Kev. Yeah. <laughs> Vito, Atalanta are back. Atalanta went and beat Lazio 2-0 in the capital. I sent our friend Alistair McKenzie a, a really nice message on full-time here, but Atalanta looked excellent. They did indeed. I thought that the first half performance was better than in the second one. I thought that uh, it was more about limiting Lazio's spaces. But in the first half, I thought that Ladea did more than enough damage and it was only Provedo in the Bianco Celesti goal that was really preventing Atalanta from winning by more than the two goals. And that goal by Zappa Costa, that was something <laughs> To say I screamed when that goal went in, Lito. Oh my God. There have only been a few times living in this apartment where I know I've annoyed the neighbours and... I was there. I, I was I there for one three. of them. I can get, yeah. <laughs> I think I can get three. One was the other evening. One was when Duvan Zapata scored at the San Siro as Atalanta beat Milan 3 0. And the other was a goal against Juventus in a match that I can't quite remember. I think it might have been the Coppa final that Atalanta went on to lose. But this was one of those nights. I, I lost my mind. And then Burnsy sent me a message to say, I made, I made a noise when that went in. <laughs> His noise was very different to mine. But Kev, I was moaning for much of the Sassuolo Atalanta game to both you and Bernsey about Matteo Ruggeri and how I missed Davide Zappacosta because his return would mean that Ruggeri would never play again. Um, Zappacosta returned, played where Ruggeri might have and 
did that. He was brilliant as well on his return. Yeah, well, I think when we were when we were all at um, Tassuolo Atalanta last week, we've kind of forgotten that Zapacosta was was still there. Um, <laughs> he kind of rolled up to that strike, and you know, as Vito said, put it probably as far in the corner as as possible. Um, Atalanta were just, you know, I know a certain Clancy that that moaned that one of us, if not both of us, had suggested that they would lose three one to Lazio this weekend. But um, <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I watch a fair bit of Atalanta, nowhere near as much as you and others, but um, they just absolutely took. Yeah, they they played the game perfectly. You know they they were they were high in the press they were energetic in the press they took their chances. Hoyland really probably could have had oh. a couple couple of more goals, but yeah. somebody said um, the luck or something of of going in for that second goal. But it wasn't luck. He you know he he was he was breaking his neck. You know if that's the the right turn of phrase to to get to that to get to that ball just to make sure that he was in the position to sort of tap that last strike in, and um, yeah they're fully in the race for. For, for Champions League qualification, he's rapid as well, Hoyland. Didn't he? Did you see that? It was amazing the amount of sort of space he made up. You know, he was probably yeah. he was probably three or four, four sort of strides behind the uh, the Lazio defenders, and um, but that, that that's partly pace. That's that's partly determination. I think you know you make up you make up a yard in determination, but those other three yards are, are, are pure sort of pace. He's got that he's got that large gait because he's he's quite quite tall for his age. Um, and you know you add that to speed, then you're gonna you're gonna be able to make up those um, those yards. Gasparini was singing his praises after the game, saying how how impressive and how fast he is that he's able to run 100 meters in under 11 seconds and all this kind of thing. And there's just so much talent in that kid. He just like, he just needs to he just needs to tidy up his finishing a little. You know there was yeah. because that 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 chance I think we're talking about he did put it straight at um, Providell. And um, yeah, well, it wasn't even composure; just a little bit more accuracy, or you know, maybe just trying a different finish, dinking it over him, which at one 0 you can possibly try. Yeah, that's a that's a thing with with Hoyland actually is that I've noticed that he doesn't usually score the chances that you expect him to, but he quite often scores those that you don't expect him to. Like he's really good at scoring from from unlikely angles. He's able to pick out the bottom corner when there's not that much to aim at. He's able to just smash one through a goalkeeper when the goalkeeper is blocking most of the goal. But it's when he's got like like that, when he goes through on goal and it's almost you, you think if you were to put yourself in his head, he looks up and he sees more than one option of where to hit it. That's when he tends to not score. But it's when he, he only has one place to hit, he'll find that place. When you were talking about dinking it over a goalkeeper, I was at Bologna Atalanta this year. And he did exactly that. He was put through. Skorupski came out, made himself really big. And Hoyland just said, okay, there's one place to go. Over you. Goal. I think he's just really good at that. The Coppa Italia against Spezia, he just smashed one in off the crossbar, despite there not being any angle to do it. A really talented player. And I do think there's there's still so much more improving that he can do, which just makes him a really exciting watch between now and the end of the season. And, who knows where he be, where he'll be next season? You'd imagine it will still be Atalanta, and it'll probably take another seasons of another seasons, like impressing to to earn him a move elsewhere. At least I hope so. But Lazio are a funny old team, Vito, aren't they? Like, I, I really don't know what to make of them. But 
they, they went to Bergamo earlier in the season and they did to Atalanta what Atalanta have now done to them. They hammered Milan a couple of weeks ago as well. And, and now this. It's really weird how inconsistent they are. But it also shows that whenever Sari doesn't have his best 11 to choose from, uh, there just seems to be little chinks in the armour. It seems that they somehow can't get the game plan right. What I also noticed, and this might be a bit um, controversial, I did see that Immobile was quite limited for space, but also there were times where he probably could have scored a few times. So it makes me wonder that although he's dealt with injuries, Lazio have actually looked good with Felipe Anderson operating as his false nine. So uh, will they keep trusting Immobile because of what he's done for the last five or six years? Or, or would it be time to consider that in the long term that maybe Felipe Anderson as the false nine is the main plan to go to and that might actually help the team as a whole? I was thinking that same thing at points during that game because Immobile is in a really bad run of form. Like... And between form and injury problems this season, he's never been able to find that rhythm that he has before. And if this had happened maybe four years ago, you think he's all right, he'll be okay. He's 32 now, isn't he? So there's, there's, there is that concern that the, the clock is against him. His body's probably starting to work against him a little bit as well. And you do just wonder if he's ever going to get back to, to the form of last season. It could well just be one one off season, then he's back firing next term. From an from an Italian perspective, you would hope so. If Italy want to do anything, they do need Immobile to, to start scoring. As tiresome as that debate can be, he is Italy's best number nine. But it's a funny one. A quick thought for, for Hans Hattabor, who I am absolutely gutted for because... He he missed almost, I think it was a whole year in 2021 through a really bad knee injury. Came back and it's only been probably this year, last four weeks, maybe towards the end of December as well, or November rather, when before the break, that he started to get back into to form. He'd started to, to have that turn of pace, to be able to turn without having to go in a circle that's 10 meters wide to do so and he's done his cruciate ligament again so he's going to be out for quite a long time and i just it's absolutely heart-wrenching kev when when you see this happen to a player and they get back to to close to what they were before and then they get another serious serious injury yeah and you could see on his face as soon as he did something although he managed to walk off it you know, it wasn't it wasn't a comfortable sort of walk if if stroke hobbled off, um, and, and it is terrible when it comes after a, a long rehabilitation, and then such a quick sort of um, I know it's not a, it's not a direct um, same injury, but it, it it doesn't help anybody that that, ha- that happens, and you do sort of feel for anybody that's going through that. It was a go off track a little bit here I, I finally got around to watching if anybody's anybody anybody who's access to the BBC iPlayer and they watch the, uh, the the film The Phenomenon which was um, the, the, oh, the, the excellent the original Ronaldo you know I, I had it in my mind that, that that Ronaldo came back and injured his knee and it, you know in his first game back but kind of it, it almost felt like it was a bit of a myth that it happened that quickly but it did 
And but even if you've had a couple of weeks or a couple of months back that uh, Hatterbor's had, it, it, it's just it's terrible. You know, I broke I broke an ankle three times, three consecutive years, broken ankle. That kind of put pay to me playing at any decent level. Um, and, and it's hard to get back from that, you know, mentally as much as physically. And then hopefully you can recover from this and, you know, and, and get back to form that he was previously showing at Atalanta. You'd really hope so. It's like, just your heart does break for him. Because I remember when he joined Atalanta, he, he looked rubbish. Like he just looked so far off the level required. And I was very critical of him all the time. And then he just improved slowly and slowly and slowly. And then he and Gossens were the two best wingbacks in, in Serie A. And then he gets this injury and he, he looks rubbish for a year. Like to the point where a lot of Atalanta fans are starting to to moan when they see him on the team sheet and get really frustrated with his with his slowness and his, his inability to seemingly do anything at times. And then just when he gets back to it, and the Atalanta fans are starting to like show their love for him again, he he goes and does it again. So it's it's horrible to see. There's nothing worse than not being able to trust your body and I think there's there's an element of why he's not being able to fully sort of commit to how he wants to play. And, you know, he'll, he'll get there, but you just hope next time he comes back, he get, gets a little bit more time. And certainly a little bit more time from the fans because, you know, we're all impatient at, at points of our lives, but, um, you know, you've, you've got to, you've got to have a li- an element of understanding when things like this happen to players. Yeah, you're absolutely right. So, like, all of our, all of our thoughts are with, with big hands after, after this week's injury. We've got to bring the mood down even further, don't we? Oh, because... where, where could we be going? <laughs> <laughs> Friday night happened, didn't it? Well, Friday well, night did it? Did it? It feels like a, it feels like a dream. It feels like a fever dream. It was so shit. But um... you, you wrote about nine hundred words, I guess. Yeah, but so... seven hundred then before the game. <laughs> Oh, Milan, Milan, Milan. They got a win. They got a win, Vito. So before Kev makes everything all miserable, let's let's celebrate. Milan have won again. They won, and they even did it with Tadu Rusanu getting a clean sheet. What a miracle. <laughs> it helps when the other team don't have a striker. Doesn't yeah. It? <laughs> True. Torino don't have a striker. That's nah. the thing. Nah, it was glaring as well, wasn't it? Because I thought Torino were actually okay. They they had more of the ball. They created a few chances, a few openings, rather. But they just didn't have anyone there, Vito, to actually put the ball in the net past this ghost of a goalkeeper. No, and uh, I'll be honest. Look, Sanabria has helped out in the past for Torino, but he's not a guy that's going to bang 15, 20 goals. They really miss a pure centre-forward. And to be fair, Belotti had his issues in the last year or two at Torino but uh, they still haven't found an adequate replacement no they, they absolutely haven't yeah Kevin's just pointed out Sanabria had four as many as four Kev four chances it was awful Bellotti would have put one of them away it was it was but uh, we'll talk about Milan shall we because um, <laughs> they, they won but they were, they, they were they were bad, weren't they? Like they were really bad. I'd I'd find it difficult to celebrate that if I were a Milan fan. I reckon. Yeah, I was I was annoyed at the derby that what allegedly and I say allegedly 
was oh. a was a three four three formation against Inter. <laughs> was so 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 obviously a five four one at times. Yeah. And you know, Pioli decided to stick by his guns, continue with the four three three. And you thought, okay, Torino are a couple I thought they were they were about eight points behind them. Um you know, they they were they weren't on a good run. They just they just beat an Udinese. Um but the players looked frightened. Yeah. And it was that that was the thing. It was like that. There's there's issues when the te- when you can see your team, if you're a Milan fan, and their first concern is that not losing the game, particularly against a side like Torino, you know, a team that they, you know, even even out of form, you're on a par with them, and at times again, it just looked like they were five at the back. You know, Salamakas was dropping incredibly deep. Although Hernandez decided to play the centre forward for most of the game. It, it, it felt like the the midfield were dropping in there and just making sort of banks of banks and banks of defenders that were unnecessary because even when even when Torino got through those four chances for Nabria, they they he didn't yeah. take them and they were passive. They was they were they were unbelievably passive for a side that are reigning champions, trying to get back into Champions League qualifications places because they you know they're still not there at the end of the weekend and. It was such a dire game of football. Kev, shut your stupid ass up. Let the fans enjoy the moment. Good lord! Well, they should do because they won't win next time. It's like from someone on Twitter, they'll lose. They'll lose against Monza next weekend. They'll probably get turned over against Tottenham in the Champions League on Tuesday. Um, yeah. The only saving grace there is that they're gonna they're gonna be lulled into a false sense of security because Tottenham got turned over four one by Leicester this weekend. They look absolutely terrible. Monza could beat them next weekend, couldn't they? F- yeah, they Quite could. Seriously, they could. You know, you know, Sampdoria to their credit, when we were there last week, they brought a decent away support. They went at it for a little bit. They, you know, they they. Yeah, we'd left before the equaliser, <laughs> but Sam could have turned, go, gone away with. Uh, hey, I had to. I had. A, I had. A, I had an early flight. Um, you know, <laughs> but yeah, I can fully see sort of Berlus going, not knowing where to, where to sort of direct his his joy if Monza go and turn them over next. Uh, oh, five pm, isn't it? Five, well, six pm uh, Italian time. I'm gonna say it now, Kev. Milan have. Spurs, Monza, and Atalanta as the next three games. Their next win <laughs> Nil is against Atalanta. Yeah, no, no, no. They'll uh, beat Atalanta. Uh, uh. They'll beat Atalanta, but they they will they should get hammered by Spurs. But Spurs are a bit rubs as well, aren't they? Like Spurs are basically the Italian Milan at the moment. But Conte will come to Milan and he'll he'll, he'll get a one 0 win there. will he be? Will he be there? He's sick, uh, isn't he? No, he had his he had his gallbladder removed. He should have had. Far more recovery time. I had mine out, and it's. Um, He's not back, is he? I believe he was. I believe he was in and around the Tottenham area <laughs> for the Leicester game. Maybe He's that's why. Lost, I, maybe that's right, why they lost four one. To be fair, if you're drugged up, you can you can sit through the pain. Um, after my gallbladder, I had two weeks just on like really strong medication and stayed for. I was like drunk all the time, but um, <laughs> some could argue I'm drunk all the time anyway, so it doesn't make any difference. <laughs> Yeah, let's let's not revisit what we were saying to you on a nearly hourly basis during that trip in in Northern Italy. But 
Yeah, Milan, like, I, I really do struggle to find positives about them at the moment. Like, Leao's going to leave in the summer as well, because why would he stay at the moment? He's down tools. So, He's down tools anyway. Do you think? Yeah, 100%. That, 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 sorry, Vito, jumping in in front of you, mate, but... Um... <laughs> That, that game against Torino, Liao was like, oh, he's back, he's in the starting 11, but he doesn't want to be there. Do they not just need to play him on the left again? Because he's brilliant when he plays on the left. Maybe he kept drifting out onto the left anyway. He was he was awful first half, and then they kind of did move him much, much further out onto the left for the second period, and he did nothing at all. He knows Chelsea have run out of money, so he needs to now drive his value down so he can get his move to Chelsea. <laughs> Is that where he wants to go? That's a strange one, isn't it? Because they've already got all of the players in the world in, in his position. So I would like to see him go somewhere else, to be honest. But yeah, it's probably going to be there at PSG because that's how football works now, isn't it? You go to one of those two clubs and, and nowhere else. But Vito, do you have anything nice to say about Milan? Because we have a lot of Milan fan listeners and I feel like we're we're just being very down on them. But I'm finding it hard to, to find any positives. Don't lower yourself, Vito. The way things are now, it's very hard to find anything positive, really. They're just scraping along, and I think they're just lucky that everyone else in Serie A is inconsistent. (laughs) Vito's Vito's jumped up on my train of everyone is rubbish, which I'm loving. Everyone is rubbish. Napoli are okay, but everyone else is rubs speaking of Juventus beat in a 1-0 and this was genuinely a tough watch I think it might have been a tougher watch than the Milan game Vito it was so bad yeah well what do you expect Juve winning 1-0 Allegri in charge of course it's gonna be boring it's not just the bad decisions made things a bit amusing that was it that was the only interesting thing was that their goal was a goal that nobody saw at first because it looked like a save, but goal line technology set it across the line, and it was a, there was a bit of confusion there for a moment. Then there were, I think each team had a goal ruled out for offsides that were like the width of a thumb <laughs> offside, and it was that was a bit dramatic. But Kev, I tweeted during this match because I, I found myself at one time thinking of something that needed to be done, and I was thinking. Do I need to put the washing machine? Or do I need to empty the washing machine? Do I need to... Oh, I can. I need to do the dishes. I'm going to go and do the dishes. And then I went and did the dishes. And I came back and I was like, ah, oh, nothing's happened. Because I had the commentary on as well. And I do just find myself... Every time I feel the need to put on a Juventus match, spending the entire game thinking, oh, what could I do? <laughs> what, what could I do that would mean I wouldn't be taking this in? It's bad, isn't it? Well, yeah, I don't know where you came to me because I went out to see a comedian. So, <laughs> you know, I was I was pretty much out all evening. Um, so I never saw this sort of controversial ball over line, ball not over line. But, um, yeah, they don't... I, I'd argue that even when they were winning um, yeah. to- totals like this, they weren't particularly entertaining and you would find other things to do because there's 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 more entertainment <laughs> in watching Sassuolo Atalanta of sort of two or three years ago rather than just watching Juventus's then procession towards titles. But um yeah, the way they are at the moment, they've got to find something to get people watching them. Otherwise you're gonna you know, 
before next weekend's pod, I will dig the figures out for their attendances because they just seem to be dropping and dropping and dropping. And that is They've not the good. model. No, but when they're winning, you know, when I went a few years back and um, probably swore never to go again because it's far too commercial and... And a nightmare to get to and expensive. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, expenses. Um, yeah, the worst of all of it. But... Um, yeah, they 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 they're gonna drop off and drop off and drop off, and they need to they need to find some angle that's gonna make them um, worth engaging with. I was thinking that during the game as well because I, I do always think that when you're watching Serie A, there's a nice little natural soundtrack. The the, the fans, the atmosphere is generally good. Cremonese aside, but generally you can get through the game just listening to it, to what's going on behind the cameras. But Juventus's atmosphere is also really bad. Like it's just it is that like in inverted commas plastic atmosphere, right? It, it's not great. I don't like it. Um, I might not watch them again this season. I think have Atalanta played them twice. No, Atalanta have to play them again, so I'll watch that. I'll probably watch the Derby d'Italia. And I'll watch. Do Napoli uh, have them again? I don't know. Napoli, uh, you've had got nonce, haven't they, in the, uh, in the Europa League? <laughs> I see what you're trying to do. <laughs> I'm not going to allow it. So don't do that again. Um, <laughs> that's terrible. That is terrible behaviour from you. Given given what poor, poor Burnsy had to endure from me the other week, you should not be bringing that to the pod when he's not here. To at least enjoy it, um, but yeah, it's bad. Like, no, Vito, I don't care if you're trying to jump in on that. It's not happening. It's not happening. I'm afraid. I just can't stop laughing. <laughs> A mispronunciation of Nantes. Oh, thank oh, you. Did Vito. I? That's... Oh, sorry. <laughs> um, Letter Roma one one. Can we call this on the preview pod? Uh, yeah, but we didn't call. Um, you know, big lad. You know, old hench. Center off, uh, yeah, that's the one. Um, scoring his goal, it was a little disappointing. No. Correction, the goal's been taken away from him. Oh, uh, has it? Oh, okay, because yeah. it hit about 15 players before it went in. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, no, you and I'll be happy. Um, the young man that's not here with us because obviously we weren't sure whether he'd be wearing his Roma shirt or his Lecce hat. Um, but you know, it keeps me in touching difference, uh, in touching difference, touching distance. Um, their goals against that, you know, I know we're talking about the goal they conceded um, Roma uh, election. Saturday night, uh, Roma. You know, I think that might sort of edge them. They just, they just, if they can win a game, just 1-0, it, I think that's where they're going to pick up a lot of points this year because they've still only conceded um, 10. No, that's their goal difference is 10. So they've conceded, they've conceded 19. 19. Second, third best defence. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, and, Mourinho will love that if he sort of sneaks into sort of fourth of place this year just based on how many times they've, they've won games by a solitary goal or even a 1-0 win. Um, what are you it, saying if for? What are you saying if for? The, the top four is, is Napoli, Inter, Roma and one other and I'm not going to say who the other will be because I don't want to jinx it. Lazio will leapfrog Roma nope. Uh, nope. before the end. They're not getting the top four and mm. Milan are getting the top four. So, no, it's Torino. Then. There's your top four. <laughs> there's your top four. Of course, Rome are back in the Champions League. Mourinho's, Mourinho's cooking. Kev. European trophy first season, Champions League qualification second season, third Sacks, season. Sacks third, yeah. 
No, he'll win something and then leave. Really? He'll win Serie A. <laughs> okay, <laughs> calm down. How many you had to drink? No, because uh, Spalletti's contract's up at Napoli at the end of the season. He'll win the, he'll win the title and he'll be terrified to renew his contract because he can only fall short of winning the title in, in Naples. He'll leave. Everyone else is rubbish, as we know. So Mourinho will just shithouse his way to the title. And best believe, total-italianfootball.com will be there to cover it when he does. And it will be the, the most articles we've ever done in a day when when Roma win the, the Scudetto. But we should probably just move swiftly through what's left, Vito, shall we? There were a couple of fun games, I think it's fair to say. And one of those was Udinese 2, Sassuolo 2. Yeah, <clears throat> all the drama happened in the first half, especially with Udoji opening the scoring the first minute. And then when it seemed like Udinese would have got a comfortable win, uh, Sassuolo showed that they're the kind of team that know how to put on a show. And you can never, you know, keep your eyes closed against Sassuolo because they will spring something out of the ordinary. Always. Sassuolo will always spring something out of the ordinary. And it's... It just makes them fun. I, I have to say, I thought this finishing 2-2 was one of those games that it's always going to happen. Udinese always score at home and Sassuolo have hit their like classic Sassuolo run of form at the moment. So I felt like this was inevitable. Um, Kevin, Empoli yeah. 2, Spezia 2, both teams had red cards. Loads of fun. Yeah, it was quite fun. Um, I, I felt a little bit for... Empoli, um, because they kind of they kind of got ahead, and then they they did really flow it away towards the end of the game. But um, you know, I think apart from the trips to Cinque Terre, you'd like Spezia to go down, so they're now sort no. of hovering. You don't, don't want to go down. No, you don't, oh, you don't want them to go down. No, because then we'll have no teams in Liguria. We need to have at least one team in Liguria. Sorry, Vito. But well, Genoa are looking pretty good. So uh, <laughs> Genoa got beat 2-0 by Parma last week, and Parma are shit. But they won this weekend. Yeah, but you don't beat Parma. You don't lose to Parma. Uh, okay. But, yeah. Okay, so Spetsch, you're unlucky. No, wait there. MP, you're unlucky. Spetsch, you came back. I was, annoyed they, <laughs> I was annoyed they wore their black kit, you know. Particularly if you're colourblind, how does how does navy blue and black not, you know, is, how is that not a colour clash when Spezia could just wear their wear their white? Um, Daniele Verde scored an absolute worldie in this game, but you know it was fun. It was fun, which is which is what you want if you're if you're going to watch games outside of the the uh, things that really matter at the top end of the table. Bologna Monza Vito uh, Giulio Donati scored the only goal of the game in the first half for Monza. Anything to say about this? Not much, really. Just that Monza aren't going away fast. That's a pity, isn't it? It was lovely <laughs> last just, week. Uh, head honchos that put people off. Yeah. I want rid of them. I want rid of them. And it's a nuisance of a walk from the station to the stadium at Monza. <laughs> so I'm not in any rush to get back there. Hey, we did but it. What can you do? We did. We did do it. We did it very well. We did it very well, particularly you and I. Vito? Oh, I remember when I was in Monza in 2011, just walking there just to get to the racing circuit, to get to the Grand Prix. That was a bad enough walk too. So I'd hate to imagine how it would be to walk to Monza's football stadium. Yeah, it wasn't great. I wouldn't recommend it. 
Although it's it's an all right stadium, isn't it? it was it was an okay place to watch a bit of football. I didn't have any problems with it. Once you were there, it was, it was my best of the weekend, I reckon. No, Cremonese Stadium <laughs> was better. Yeah, better stadium, but all, all in all, you know, they had no they had no fans. So you've uh, got no fans. Yeah, it wasn't great. <laughs> yeah, it, it wasn't great. I, great I do system. like Cremonese Stadium a lot, though. Oh God, <laughs> I was that was so horribly loud wasn't it that was dreadful but anyway yeah. um disagree disagree i prefer criminalizer stadium I'm, I'm not you're not gonna get me and saying too many nice things about monster but <sighs> lots of cafe borghetti the the borghetti was good the oh the sandwich outside the ground was good as well way better than reggio Emilia. way better so, yeah, <laughs> yeah. The, and there was nothing in criminalize <clears throat> oh god yeah well, but we did speak about that on the patreon pod that we did we recorded bits throughout the weekend i think about 30 minutes of a pod there in all which is available on patreon.com slash total italian football do head over to total hyphen italian football.com to to read all of the coverage of the setting how weekend and we will be back with the well what will we be back to do i don't know there will be an inter an article on inter after their game against Samp on Monday evening, we will be doing the Serie A preview pod ahead of next weekend's games. And Post the Champions League podcast. Oh no, that's yeah, fuck. <clears throat> I that was back. Right, so you're getting three bonus pods a week. We're back at that horrible point of the year where we're doing three pods a week, and you all only have to pay two euro ones to get them. So do that. Two euro month, you're getting a load of extra content. It's it's more than worth it. So we will speak to you next week. In the meanwhile, it's totalhyperitalianfootball.com for all of the things that you need. We'll speak to you soon. Vita, say goodbye. Goodbye. Blind boy Kev, say goodbye. Ciao, ciao.